Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 105 with my friend, Claire Tangerine. I am so excited that you guys get to hear this. Claire is one of the people I met through my sobriety, and I'm really happy that she was able to share her story with me and with all of you. And she's, you know, I think um, it's, we're like 11 months sober for her this month. And we'll get into that a little bit in the episode, but uh, very exciting. Yeah. Good for her. Good for you. Happy you guys are here. I'm not going to hold you any longer. Without further ado, here's my interview with Claire. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? Thanks for doing this, Claire. Yeah. You enthusiastically volunteered. That's how I read your message. But it's very exciting. Yeah. Enthusiastic volunteer is uh what I do the best. I'm a very enthusiastic person. That's good. I'm excited to see you and learn about you and uh kind of go from there. But I usually start with how I know people and like a few other people I've talked to, I know you from Clubhouse. We met in sobriety mm-hmm. groups, and then I got to find out you're quite an artist and social media relationship, essentially. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, there's, artist. Yeah. There's a world of things I don't know about you that I'd like to dive into. But I think first and foremost, you are in Canada, correct? Yeah, I live in um, I live in Montreal, sorry. Well, that's good. Yeah, Montreal. Mm-hmm. Fun. Sorry to sound so American, but... Is there a, is that French area of, because Montreal's in Quebec, right? Or no? Yeah, Montreal's in Quebec. Uh, so essentially, like, the Canada, Canada is like a bilingual country. So basically, um, English and French, in Quebec, French is first. And it has to do with, like, colonial yeah. times. <laughs> When I was a kid, I was like, my parents tell me that I was obsessed with the colonial times. Interesting. Did you, do you speak French? Yeah. Oh, not very well. Okay. But yeah, some French. Yeah. <laughs> Thought I but like, uh, but not super, not super well. Like, um, so like in Montreal, like a lot of, a lot of people speak, speak English, uh, and French. They're bilingual. And yeah. so a lot of people have a third language too, like Italian or Spanish. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah. That's a, well, it's it's always funny to me because it feels like every other country in the world, except for America, is like really dual-lingual, dual-lingual, dual-lingual. I can't talk, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, Bilingual, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think like I had a friend that just went to Europe and, you know, every European country, especially Western Europe, almost everybody speaks English as well as whatever their actual language is. Really, uh... Makes you feel lazy when you live in America. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Could be like, uh, like in U.S., like they have a Spanish or whatever. So some people speak mm. Spanish. Some people speak a little bit of Spanish. Like if you go to Europe, like I'm going to go this summer. We have um, me and Ankit have a 35 day trip planned. Oh, that's fun. But the thing is, like you might go to somewhere like Italy, and maybe people speak like a little bit of English, but their English might be not that great. Like, yeah. um, like I think that there's some countries where the second language or third language is like very good 
like in Germany, I, I heard that most German speak, people speak English really well, but I don't think in Italy that, that Italians, most Italians can speak English very well. I can tell like, you what, um, they yeah. can speak English better than I can speak Italian. <laughs> I would, I would bet money on that. Maybe. Yeah. I think it depends who you talk to. <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to. Like my, my, uh, uh, my nonna has been here like, like. 45 years and still her English is not that great. Like I think it really depends on who you, who you're trying to talk to. Fair enough. Um, and were you born and born and raised in Montreal? I'm from Toronto. Oh, okay. You any siblings? Yeah. I've got an older brother and a younger sister. I'm the middle child. Oh, how's it being a middle child? Well, like, uh, my brother is two years older than me, almost exactly, and my sister is like nineteen months younger than me. So oh, wow. we're we're very close in the in terms of the birth order. Yeah. So I know, like, uh, in terms of psychologically speaking, when uh, the second child is born, like it bumps the first one, and then like there can be some like resentment, however, to the that yeah. baby being born, like when you're in the family. Yeah. However, in my family, like, I don't remember my sister being born. Like, I don't really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So how did you guys get along growing up then? Being so close in age. Yeah. um, I feel like that can go both ways. (laughs) How do we get along? Well, we did a lot of uh, sports, uh, you know, and activities and stuff like that my um my brother was really into hockey and me myself and, and my sister like uh we were really into like soccer we played a lot of soccer volleyball hockey we played hockey too my parents they put us in everything they did like everything like uh sailing like occupy you as much as possible yeah, like I play the piano. We all play the piano. I'm the only one who's stuck with the piano. So. Yay! Yeah, love, love, love an instrument. Um, how? What do your mom and dad do when you're born? Like for work and life. Uh, what do they do? So my mom is a is a teacher. Okay. So she teaches. Uh, so in Toronto, she they uh, they have two different school boards. So they have the public district school board and they have the catholic school board and then um there's also like a private school system so my mom teaches for the catholic school school board so that's the public board and basically like um she has a specialty her specialty is uh phys ed gym and she's a gym teacher and so like with that kind of thing because she has like her specialty she teaches in two different schools uh, all different grades. She coaches, um, like she coaches, she can coach volleyball, soccer. She's a excellent athlete, um, soccer was keeper. Teaching... My, my mom is like a beast. Was yeah, she teaching when you really were born? Good. Was she already doing that? Oh, was that the question? Sorry, I missed that. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm just wondering. <laughs> she, yeah, like, um, yeah, when we were kids, she taught kindergarten, and at that time, this was in the '90s, right? So, uh, I don't know how things are in the U.S., but basically, like, kindergarten used to be a half day, 
yeah, so yeah. she did AM or PM. Yeah, yeah. she did. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She did part time, and then I was raised a lot by my grandparents. Okay. So we stayed stayed at uh, like Nana and Grandpa's house, or you know, my Nana Santina's house, or whoever. And um, my mom would go into work, so she worked at a school close by, and then would come pick us up, and then we would do our like activities and stuff. What uh, so, was your dad doing for work? My dad does like investment banking. Okay, so he was working like, full time when you guys were kids too. Oh yeah, he always works. He's a very hard yeah. worker. Um, yeah, he's gonna get uh, his um, MBA. He also goes to school too. Like now, that's what he did. he wants to. He does uh, work. He does volunteering. He's very involved. That's fun. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me yeah. about your your grandparents. It sounds like you spent a lot of time with them as a kid. You might be close to them too mm-hmm. today. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Uh yeah, my grandparents—they're all Italian. Okay. Like, uh, so, yeah, Canadian. The Canadian government basically they offer like um. They don't offer it, but like you can be a dual citizen if uh, of the, your of your country of origin. If all four of your grandparents are from that country, oh, that's cool. For some countries, so since all four of my grandparents are Italians, uh, the Canadian government and the Italian go- government have a good relationship. Like Italians built a lot of a lot of Canada, like uh, in the fifties and sixties, a lot. So uh, both my grandparents were laborers, bricklayers, stone cutters, and a lot of Italian uh, immigrants did that kind of work. But so are you a dual citizen technically then? Yeah. Nice. Well, that's going to be, so is there ever (laughs) tangent, but is there ever any temptation (laughs) to just like, go live in Italy because you can like you know most people if they got if they go to another country they have to get a visa and like there's a a term limit but as a dual citizen couldn't you just like say fuck it I'm gonna go live in Italy and then just go live in Italy yeah I could why not (laughs) no temptation I'm gonna go this summer (laughs) like the thing is that uh like I don't speak Italian yeah and uh, I've never been there before in my whole life and uh, I haven't met, I have family there, but I have not met them. And like, I could go, I can do like, do an eat, pray, love type situation. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it could happen. Why not? I'm not opposed to it. What's, I never uh, really thought about it too much, but yeah. yeah. Um, go pick some fruit or something. <laughs> what is your relationship like with your mom and dad? Because you mentioned you're kind of like, we're with grandparents a lot and your dad's working a bunch. Um, when you're a kid, like growing up, yeah. do you see them a lot uh, other than, you know, at nighttime? And... When I was a kid, uh, my parents, they were like very like invested in our success. Like um, definitely they put forth their best effort as parents. Yeah. For sure. How's my relationship with them? I'd say okay. It's okay. Like, Well, when you were growing up, like when you were... Oh, uh, I'd say I'd have a pretty rough, like, teenage teenage life, but... Uh, what, why is that? What does that look like? Well, I didn't have a lot of, like, rest and respite from, like, all of my um, responsibilities, basically. Yeah. So, like, I was often, like, I'd say, like, very overworked. Okay. Like, um... But that's, so, like, it's it's kind of like, um... Like let's say you're you're like in the in the family environment, 
and like you know i'm an artist right so yeah. basically um my mom I, like recognized when i was very young she's like oh my, my child has talent like let me let me try and like help my my kid develop this talent so i think that when you have um parents that are really like they really want you to do super well and they put forth all that that effort for you to do really well there's a lot of pressure on you to like do really well so so for me like i would say like my social skills weren't that weren't that great and like a lot of times my parents they would be like ragging on me for like embarrassing them yeah i'm wondering how that pressure like played out you know because usually there's there's got to be a release Mm -hmm. somewhere and i'll give you an example like you know, a lot of people will either wrap themselves up in like after school activities, if, if that's stuff that like that way you don't have to be home or if you're trying too hard and you want to make, you know, best grades and also like the best talent and whatever that pressure is that your parents are putting on you. What, do you know, do you thinking back, like, is there a place where you release that or was that in your artwork that you ended up kind of having that sort of release? Well, I don't think I ever really got to release a lot into my artwork because I went to like a special school. So there was always like um, a lot of assignments and stuff like that. So it was kind of like, like when, when I was in school, like we talk about like releasing stuff into, into our like artwork. But the thing is the artwork was always shown all the time and I didn't really have any privacy, like um, in terms of like my workspace and what I made, like it, it was never like just, just for me, okay. it, like it all, always someone was going to see it and critique it. So the thing is like with art work, like I moved out of my parents' house like pretty, pretty early. Like, I think I was like, like barely 19 when I left. Okay. Like I, I started working, like I got a job when I was maybe like maybe 13 or 14. Oh, okay. My first job was like refereeing like kids soccer games and stuff nice. that was not like a good uh, fit for me because uh, i didn't like um c- kids soccer parents are crazy like really and then i got a job uh like doing coat check and that kind of thing at a local country club and i worked there for like seven years yeah. in my neighborhood and uh i took up running so i was often like out and out and about like just running around my neighborhood and like biking and stuff Why like running? that running because like i just like i like you had said like i wanted to be out yeah like i go i like okay. being outside and like i was really obsessed like um maybe when i was 15 16 with like fitness and like being skinny and stuff like that yeah which is like okay like um somewhat normal also uh for teenage girls to be concerned about, about unfortunately uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so I was always out, like, uh, doing that kind of thing, running. I would say if there's ever a release, like, I would just say it's like running or biking or something like that. Like, yeah, I can uh, definitely see that. Yeah. Endorphins going. That's a, I was just talking to my friend about yeah, that, though, because of... he's like, yeah, a lot of people, you know, I, I like to journal and stuff. Some people like to jog and run. And I was like, well, hold on. <laughs> Exercise. I'm just not a fan. If people that say they like running, I'm always like, how do you like it? <laughs> but I guess there's the the runner's high, right? <laughs> it's it's nice to see th- like it's nice to see the the world pass pass you. It, it's just nice to see the houses, uh, look at people's flowers. In the summer, it's really nice. So you're, that's interesting. I've never I've never 
thought about it as like an observational activity where you can just kind of see what's around you while you're running at <laughs> and breathing heavy. Yeah. Like That's you kind of, yeah, you kind of, you, you get to see like everything around Yeah, all of the, uh, the things in the things in your neighborhood that you don't see when you're driving that you might not see of much of, as much of when you're walking like unfortunately I had to stop stop running because I I kind of wrecked my knees and my feet doing that uh, wow. so in my early 20s I had to stop so I'm curious uh, I couldn't really do that anymore that's a bummer um, I'm, so, I'm curious you mentioned yeah, I was sad. being in like a, a special school um, yeah. Were you like in an art school or? Yeah. Yeah. It was like one of these specialized, uh, school with like art focus. It's a oh, common thing. Like I'm pretty sure like every city, major city has a couple of those. Well, I, I'm just wondering cause theater school or however. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of art in whatever form, um, you know, music, visual, whatever that looks like. Uh, the, then I'm, projecting my own views, but the, the lack of structure, uh, and, and the ability to just kind of like do you for me at least is like one of the most appealing things about art. And I wonder if, mm. how you feel about that and like coming into a school where I imagine it's, it's like you get to do all this art, but it's also very structured around like how you're going to do it, what you're going to do. Um, and there, there's kind of boxes drawn around you in a way that like art, I feel like should be done outside the box. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Well, the school, like, um, the school makes you like practice. So essentially, um, like, let's say you have your art class every day. Like in my art classes, what we did was we, pra we practiced. So we had our, uh, each unit, like each each class was each each medium had its own kind of project yeah. with like specific exercises and outcomes and, and goals that you're gonna meet and basically like the way that our school is structured is that at, uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays every single other class was shortened by 15 minutes and you got an extra hour to come and do your homework for your art class gotcha that's how they did it in my school um, so I'm... you got like two extra hours on, on those days that's nice <laughs> I'm curious because you, you mentioned like uh, you got into fitness and like kind of had some concerns about like yeah. staying fit and body image. And uh, so in that way, you're kind of critiquing yourself and then you're in the school where you're critiquing your artwork. And it sounds like and maybe in your teenage years, like was there any a time or was there any activities or anything where you weren't either you yourself or other people kind of like judging what you were doing or were you constantly kind of trying to live up to a, a score a, in some way or another. <laughs> yeah. There's never, there's never not a time in my, there was never like a time when I was growing up at any time where anything I was doing was not being like harshly judged or critiqued. Yeah. How has that played out as you, I mean, you said you left like right, right around 19 was, did you like leave your home? Yeah. Cause you're like, I got to get out of here. Like what, what did that look like? So, like I had met this guy and we were dating and I had been, we've been, I've been saying like, I really need to move out. And, 
I was spending a lot of time at his house and I was saying like, I, we need to, we need to move out. And then because his parents were like, um, very traditional, like Portuguese people. And they lived, they lived a couple of streets away from my house. So often I would go like run over to his house and then eat dinner over there and hang out over there and then go to work and, you know, spend a lot of time like over there hanging out with his mom, like that kind of thing. And then, so, and I had graduated high school, like, um, like half a semester early. Okay. Uh, cause I did summer courses and I graduated early cause I didn't, I didn't like, uh, being in school and you can, you can actually graduate almost a whole year early if you do summer courses. So yeah. I, I did some and <laughs> I graduated, I was out of there and I was like, okay, like, great. I'm out of there. Um, I'm working like, uh, I don't want to live in my parents' house, like time to tend to leave. Yeah. So you know, some people, they have anxiety about leaving their parents' house, not me. I was like, okay. No. I'm, I was gone at 18 I'm, too. I get it. I'm ready. It's going to be way <laughs> less work to live in my own. That guy's parents, um, they had already acquired a second property in their neighborhood. Okay. So they bought another property and then leased to us the upstairs and then also leased the downstairs. So they basically bought a house and then leased it to us at the top floor. So I paid I, we each paid like half half so I paid them like 400 bucks a month and like lived in the top floor of their house with their son there for like three four years nice and then uh, when that relationship ended I moved out by myself in like a different like a basement apartment on my own I'd never I didn't go back to my parents place like I returned once there when I was like 26 for like six months because uh, I had lost my job and one of my relationships had ended. And uh, so I lived with my parents. I moved back once after six years of being away from them for six months. But then after that, I moved to Montreal. What is, and I'm just kind of trying to tie this in as a theme, I guess, but what role does like privacy and freedom to do your own stuff, like when you move in with this guy and you're 19, like what role does that play? Do you know, like a lot of people, once they get out of their parents' house and out of Kyle or out of high school or whatever that looks like, they, uh, you know, you can <laughs> kind of go to an extreme or act out a little or before you find like a, a nice balance of, of, of normality and whatever term that means. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that look for you? Like 19 to, I imagine like 23, you said you're in that relationship for like four years. Like what, what role did mm-hmm. privacy and freedom play? once you were out of your parents' house and out of school? Like, I guess it comes down to, like, uh, just becoming an adult. Yeah. For me, like, when I was in university, I, I focused a lot. I went to arts, art university as okay. well. And I focused a lot on um, studying, uh, like, attachment, like, early attachment, uh, like infant mother relationship. I studied a lot about that and that, um, the secure base, like theory of psychology, you know, uh, what drew you to that? Oh, I wanted to see, like, I wanted to understand, uh, I just wanted to understand, uh, relationships a little bit. And I thought that that was a good way to work place to start. Yeah. Um, because that's basically like when you look at relationships, I wanted to know like, why do why do I feel so intensely like what's going on when the relationship forms and like, uh, like why do I get so anxious? Like why, um, like why can't I just like 
relaxed. Like, this is what I wanted to know. So I was thinking like, and at that time, my parents, they had, they had like paid for a very good psychologist to see me. I saw that lady for like seven years. Like she was a really good psychologist. Was that like primarily for anxiety? Yeah. Cause I was having so many like bad, bad panic attacks and stuff like that. Um, but I haven't had a panic attack in such a long time. That's so how are you regulating those? How are you regulating those back then? Oh, I wasn't. I'd become like I'd become like very, um, very agitated. Okay. I'd get really emotional. Yeah. Gotcha. But um, yeah, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so when you're in, I guess I'm. <laughs> sorry, I. When you're in the relationship, you're also going to university the whole time. Yeah, like uh, I guess the this guy like that I had been seeing uh he had worked at my work like uh, washing dishes and we were friends uh and I started seeing him and um like I continued that relationship uh like we had like a romantic relationship and I moved in with him and then what had happened was uh it wasn't it wasn't a good fit for me because I have like a more adventurous uh, personality than, than he did. So essentially like the relationship ended and because, you know, I had this, this issue with, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol. So uh, I wasn't managing like very well in terms of like, um, like I went to university and I finished like all my my classes and I did well in university I think like considering yeah I uh, got good grades you know I went to my classes I did my studio work like I went there and then I like I, I I did what what like I thought would be like it, it happened the way it happened like I don't really like I don't feel like it it really um like I know it was me who decided to go and everything, yeah. But it didn't really feel like super, super intentional. Like I, if I had, if I had, uh, could choose again, I think I would um, choose differently than I had done. But I can't really say that kind of thing because once yeah. things are done, they're already done. So yeah. I mean, who's to say like if I would have been able to even do that? Yeah. Did you have a career in mind when you were studying art and psychology? Um, that you wanted to do once you were out of school and everything? Yeah, I thought I might be an art therapist, yeah. Yeah. Did you pursue that yeah. further? or? Oh, no, I was thinking about it, but I didn't end up doing it. Okay. What happens after university? Where do you do? Where do you go? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh... Was it that long ago, Claire? Yeah, no, it was just a blur because I was like, I, I was such like, um, in such a, like a damaged like mental state, yeah. like well, from well, all of that, uh, and I was, you know, um, yeah, I had a lot of issues uh, in terms of like with my self worth and like with my with like just like my ability to like even think clearly because of you know really. Um, I would say even like uh, I don't want to like like blame alcoholism too much because you know I 
was able to function like all that time, but that was pretty intense for me. Like I was working at like just different like restaurants. Like I took a customer service type jobs. Like I got by. What, a when you mentioned like drugs and alcohol and obviously you're sober now, but Mm -hmm. what, uh, when does that start to play a role? Like how early on? Oh, um, well, I had my first drink, like drinking, like drunk type episode when I was 10 years old. Wow. Uh, don't really want to get too much into it. Yeah, no, I don't think the fine. listeners will enjoy it, <laughs> that one. But uh, yeah, I, I drank uh, throughout my teenage years, like just like at parties and stuff. But like I always drank like way too much. Was there? And, uh, yeah. Well, because I, I mean, I imagine looking back now, you're, there's got to be some sort of connection there too with, with the anxiety and numbing and mm-hmm. using and um how long have you been sober now oh it's been almost 10 months yay you're sober. yeah it's the longest i've been sober okay so this is not a first attempt oh i tried to get sober a lot of the times but it didn't, okay. didn't work out <laughs> yeah um so you're when do you go to Montreal? I couldn't even make it 30 days. Like I like I was not it was not working. Yeah. Just want to take a little break here and tell you guys how proud I am to be partnering with Wellbeing Brewing as someone that's worked in restaurants. Um God, for I did seven or eight years in restaurants before I did seven or eight years in retail. That says something, right? Uh they are partnering with Giving Kitchen, who is a nonprofit that provides financial assistance, mental health resources, and a bunch of other stuff for the food service food service industry. You guys have to check them out. And Wellbeing Brewing is partnering with them right now with a, one of their beers. It's a tropical IPA. It's called Wandering Islands. It is delicious. And when you purchase that, uh, you help raise awareness for all these issues with food service workers. And there's a QR code right on the can that you can scan. It takes you right over to Giving Kitchen um, to get you a little more information there. But they're really taking care of the food service industry. And that is an industry I was once a part of. And I know the struggles that happen there, um, especially when it comes to mental health, substance abuse, and uh, not having money for basic needs it's it's really kind of messed up especially after this pandemic so i highly encourage you head over to wellbeing well i can't talk guys i'm really sorry head over to wellbeingbrewing.com slash friend request check out everything going on over there try this new wandering islands it's a tropical ipa it's delightful and help support the food service workers thank you so much for supporting our sponsors all right back to the episode because I and that's I, I just wanted to give you some grace there too because you mentioned um, you know I don't want you said I don't want to blame alcoholism because I was like still functioning and everything but like yeah that you can blame it a like it's I mean there I feel like there's you can function but you're still you know you're you're numbing you're protecting a part of yourself that that you're not like maybe physically or emotionally able to like actually confront yet or whatever that looks like at the time. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think like for me, like, um, like I was given like literally like every opportunity in life to do well. I mean, like, this is the thing, like if you, if you're in that position and then you also find yourself to be having a, 
problem with like your mental health, like with addiction, it's, it can be pretty like, um, it can be like very hard to like accept that that's the case. And then also there's a piece in there where, where you want to, you want to be successful because you want to, yeah. you want to show that all of this time like that it took to pr produce you was worth it. That's the thing, like, because you you don't want to have a situation where you're in that that blaming mindset because that is what that's what causes causes you to continue to like self harm when you have resentment and anger. So yeah, for me, like, yes, I can admit that I had a problem, but I don't want to blame that problem. For all I know, like, and this is probably the case. Like I had to have those struggles in order to be able to to stop because there's no way that like let's say I was a normal drinker and I could just have a drink and like it would be fine and then continue then yeah. I wouldn't have had to stop see and yeah. like and in being in recovery I've started to to like sort of heal those types of things that made me really embarrassing that made me hurt people that that got me into the situations that made me drink in the first place so those like we can't blame blame the alcohol like because alcohol yeah. isn't the problem like it's it's always an inside job uh, I, i'm just trying to make sure that you are giving yourself some some grace too um you know just in the short time we've been talking you know and you think about the constant pressure and criticism and like expectations of, of some form of perfection. And, um, like that stuff is, you know, those are starting points of, of something else, whether that be self-harm or addiction or yeah. something else. Those are, those are like, that's laying the foundation. And that's also not to say that like, you know, <laughs> yeah. screw your parents or something, but it's important like when reflecting that you're still addressing and like saying like, Oh, well this is, you know, you can, you can not blame alcohol, but you can look back and say like, mm -hmm. I was using that because I was not like emotionally capable of actually, uh, you know, confronting, like we, we all find ourselves in different times in our life where we're not, uh, able to, to deal with stuff. And like, literally, not just like, I don't want to deal with that, but like your, your, your brain cannot process it. And uh, I think it's when we look back, especially people like who, myself, who's, you know, I've been sober and, and gone through a bunch of shit. And when I look back, I have to, even though I feel bad for a lot of the shit that I did, I have to be able to be like, I was using the only method I knew to like cope and protect myself from experiencing the pain that like my mind was not letting me, <laughs> you know, experience. Does that make does any of that make sense? Or am I just rambling? No, it makes sense. Uh, like you want to protect your, you, you're saying what I hear you saying is like that you, that you're not ready to face like a lot of those things. And like, that's what like drives you to, uh, to take in the substance to like take, to take you away from that stuff. So you don't have to experience. Yeah. It. You're numbing yourself from something you're, unable to process essentially for me for me i'm not I'm, I'm what i'm trying to say is like essentially like that that family environment for me it it wasn't working working well for me yeah even though 
the um, the family had the best intentions and was was really they, they really tried to be supportive of me for sure but uh in terms of like actually me feeling supported and accepted like even to this to this day like doesn't doesn't happen so yeah yeah like what what can we do like the thing is um moving away is is really helpful for me like um having my own space having uh boundaries <laughs> Like, I don't even know exactly, like, boundaries, but, like, forming new relationships, like, with people that are very accepting and, and uncritical. So, for me, it helps having, like, a really accepting partner that is not going to be, like, overly critical of me and have, like, a personality that matches mine. Like, that's really helpful. And having, like, friends that, like, that are there for me. And uh, so, for example, like, talking to my sponsor is really helpful talking to my boyfriend's mom is really helpful she's really nice and accepting joining different activities like that i find interest in that i relax me taking time to rest and relax and and just not overbook myself that kind of thing is just like really healthy and healing and and just knowing that there's no big uh success to be to be had in life from just filling every moment with things like it's yeah. just it's it's okay to just to, to take a take a chill Absolutely. On those things. Yeah. And the, the reason, I, the, the thing that triggered me to like go off on that tangent is when you said like I was given everything to succeed and, and it's, I feel like it's very easy to look at our past, especially as kids and like kind of go into like sort of a shame spiral, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and Feel yeah like... well i did i did my best like given those opportunities like like yeah. I was, they sent me to piano lessons like i learned how to play the piano like i can still play the piano like i went to art lessons like i could make art yeah. took sailing lessons i know sailing like that kind of th like you know what i mean like i i think in terms of like being ashamed like i'm not like ashamed i'm just saying like in terms of like if you look at like a lot of people in the world like some people some people have parents who are like alcoholics themselves or you know that are not there or that are like very don't really care like what you're doing and like that can be really damaging and for me like I didn't have that like my parents they really they they did care they cared like they they did really try so I mean like looking back at it now I'm like oh I had a, I had a lot of phase of being really angry but now I realized I was like they were trying to do the best that they could do with the information that they had available. That's what yeah, they were trying to do. Absolutely. Uh, and I, like, I feel the same way about my own mother. Um, you know, I think she did the best. Did I have like perfect childhood? No. Did I, uh, you know, like there's, it, sometimes it feels like we have to pick an either or, right. Or blame somebody. And that's not what I'm trying to get at. Um, but more, you know, at some point, and I'll just use myself as an example. Sometimes I'll bring up stuff uh, like in therapy or even talking to people like you and I'll have to kind of stop or my therapist will stop me most commonly and be like, Justin, you were a kid. Like in these scenarios, when you think about like issues in childhood and you start going down a direction of blaming yourself for something, like I very often said like, Oh, I was a little son of a bitch when I was a kid. Like I was, I was a little, I was a little asshole, but the whole point of that is like in that scenario, right? There's adults and children and you're the child in this scenario. So like, 
it's cool to give yourself a break. Like there's, there's other ways, no matter how much kids act out, there's, there's different ways that parents can, or other adults in their lives can handle that acting out and how that response is like completely defines that situation because kids are just trying to figure out how to feel the feelings that they have that they've never felt before and identify them and, and express how they're feeling that like there's so much happening when you're growing up. And I think if you like myself, when I look back and think about what an asshole I was, I have to be like, that's also like kind of a result of my environment. And that's not saying my mom's an asshole and she did a terrible job. She did the best she could. Well, like, what do you mean when you say asshole? Like, like, were you like me personally? (laughs) I, uh, yeah. Like, what do you mean? I, I would just like act out a lot. I stopped going to school to the point where like the cops had to come to my house and say, you legally have to go to school. (laughs) And, um, Mm. I would like get in fights with my brother and, kick holes in the wall and like I was just uh I was acting out because I had no role model this is what I realized now as a kid and going through there or as an adult and going through therapy is like I didn't have uh, a healthy role model to tell me like how to actually process emotions um Mm. and that's not like my mom's fault that shit's generational you know she didn't have healthy role models to process emotions either and then her parents probably didn't either and and so on and so forth but so it's nothing like technically yeah. against my parents it's more like i need to forgive myself like i need to forgive little justin for that because it wasn't his fault either um you know uh, i feel like especially in sobriety we're always looking for someone to blame and it's super easy to blame ourselves um but sometimes we just, instead of blaming somebody, we need to forgive, uh, especially ourselves. And mm. I feel like I've gone off on a tangent and gotten far away from what no. we were talking about. Like for me, for me, I, I do a lot of accepting, like, um, like all that stuff seems so far away right now. Like even like it, it doesn't seem, it, it seems like a different life to me. Yeah. I guess I get get emotional about it because like I like I, I it feels like um it's 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 like hard to it's hard to like remember that stuff that it happened like it happened to me you know yeah um but you know like it's it's just it's kind of like well, the way I think of it is like acceptance is so so important like in in like in the twelve steps it's that step one accept like accept that you have you're powerless yeah (laughs) yeah like and this is the thing like um like accepting that that was my childhood is it's like that's like really helpful for me because if i look at it this way first of all it's over like i don't have to live that childhood again like even in like people will talk a lot about the inner the inner child like the inner child experience like for me i'm like okay like this um this inner child of mine like very curious incredibly creative very uh like articulate and that kind of that's the kind of person that and i'm still like that kind of person very very excited like like that's why i'm I'm still an artist because like that's what art is all about it's about getting art is like you got so excited that you created something from what you took in from the world like that's what art is basically all about it's it's your it's like your hot take on the world like you're in your own world yeah. and you actually have to 
draw it out of like the realm of like you, what wasn't there. It's a, a creative, creative act. So for me, um, and since I pretty much always have been like that, it's kind of like being like a highly creative, like, and I use this a creative, like in terms of like wanting to bring something, bring something out. So like always, always talking, always having something to say, but if you always have something to say, it, it can be difficult for people to want to listen to you because like who's going to have all this time to listen to everything you have to say. To yeah. This is one thing that even kids, the kids I meet these days, I'm like, Oh, kind of annoys me. You know, they always want to talk. I'm like, geez, like it's too quiet. It's giving me a headache. Like, <laughs> Shut <laughs> so up, this kids. Is <laughs> yeah like that's that's one thing I'm, I'm learning now is like how to listen a little bit like learn learning a little bit about um conversation what makes for a good quality conversation because i'm thinking to myself okay like me speaking it's like a sacred activity yeah. so even in like the therapist client relationship like that's that relationship is like um it's supposed to be like a confidential healing relationship why is that it's because one person is creating they're creating the conversation so essentially like my memories of my childhood are my creation like for sure my sister my mother my father my brother remember it completely differently than i do they have entirely different creations than i do it's a creative act so for me that's like a very heavy responsibility to create the kind of memories that i want to have so like when you're asking me these questions, like, how was it? That kind of thing. I'm like doing my best to like articulate like the kind of story that I want to tell. Yeah. But in a lot of points, it like um, when you get into the specifics of like what I did and what actually happened, it can be sometimes kind of sad. Yeah. It's okay. Like yeah. not every everyone's journey is different. Well, I, I'm curious how long you've been in Montreal. I think I asked that, but what did you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting i got this like urge this is like 2019 so in the summer of 2019 like i got this freelance job teaching like i was always doing a different kind of freelance job like so i saw that this school for international students was looking for a photography teacher so i applied for this photography teacher job i had no experience in photography just so you do know (laughs) i got the job that's crazy to me that you didn't have any experience in photography. I would have assumed that at some point, like in in school, well, or university, I went for the uh, I went for the interview and I showed them my portfolio and I said, "This is my experience. I had some experience teaching already. I'm like, I'm good with kids." But this is the kind of person I was. Like, I was so high in the interview. Like, I was high enough for all my interviews. You know, like I was so like, like you you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, like I went for the interview. I, I convinced them with my charismatic personality that I would be an excellent addition to their school and they believe me or maybe they just didn't care that much I don't know (laughs) so they hired me and I taught this I taught one course okay and they're like okay we'll pay you like $25 an hour you come and you show up to teach this course like whatever and then throughout school uh, I taught for one semester They they didn't hire me back I didn't do fantastic okay okay um then i went to china for one month in the summer one of the one of the schools like they had like some recruiter come they were like oh like uh, we need teachers you can come volunteer i ended up convincing the that lady who hired me for that one month since she didn't pay me at all uh and i had to leave my job at the time 
oh my god I, I like got her to cover my rent for that month i think i just i just i was like please can you just cover my rent for this one month because nice. i left to come teach you didn't pay me like uh and now i need money for my rent for this month and she did pay for me which was nice and then i got this urge when i got back uh, I would, I was working this like customer service type job at the time. And I had just, I had just started dating my, my current boyfriend. I got it into my head. I was like, I'm tired of Toronto. I'm tired of walking around. And then everyone sees me, knows me like, you know, I'm tired of saying hi to people 50 times a day. Like I'm, I'm tired of this bullshit. Too many people know me here. I need to leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was tired of, you know, like just being well known in my neighborhood. Yeah. So I got it in my head that I'm going to leave and go to Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had this like obscure fantasy of going to be the, an artist apprentice for this artist. His name is uh, Callan Schaub. He works in Montreal and he does these sick giant spin paintings. I was like, I'm going to go be his apprentice. He doesn't even know me. Okay. I had this like fantasy, right? I'm like, I'm going to go be his apprentice. I'm going to go be a studio apprentice. I had no job. Okay. Like I'm going to go and like, I'm going to be this artist. I'm going to get my own studio. I'm going to do like, I'm going to, I'm going to go find big artists and I'm going to like make them know me and I'm going to work as a studio. And because they don't know my shitty past from over here, it's going to work out. And I'm going to convince them that I can do it was my idea okay so then I got all my shit together and I convinced my boyfriend I said to him like oh will you move with me he said yes and then we went in February like the call center we were working in has another office in Montreal so we tried to both we we did our best we tried to get jobs in the sister office so we went (laughs) we went we had my birthday which is like on uh on Valentine's Day or whatever so we went for a very romantic 2020 valentine's day okay very romantic valentine's day in montreal interviewing for jobs we found our apartment we're like yes we're gonna move for march 1st february 28th i'm like driving my moving truck i move all our shit there you know we move and then uh two weeks later yeah we started (laughs) yeah we started working and then the pandemic happened and then we got locked down so so yeah and feel free not to answer this um but i'm just curious Cause you're with the, the new boyfriend at the time and then the pandemic happens. So like that in itself yeah. is frightening to me. Like I can't imagine like learning to be in a relationship with somebody during a lockdown where you're just like, this is do or die time. Oh yeah. It was terrifying. We had <laughs> never, we had never lived together before. Like it was completely terrifying. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. I was away from my family. Like, um, for the first time, I lived in a new city for the first time in my life with no job. Like, um, I never ended up working for this as an artist assistant. That didn't happen. My alcoholism got way worse, way, way worse. The apartment we moved into had construction like 24 hours of the day. And it sounded like they were, they were dropping, they sounded like they were throwing cars off the top of the building constantly. There was like, I was crashing. Like I never slept. And uh, the building we had moved into had like horrible bed bugs. Oh, Jesus. So if you can imagine the situation, it was like, it was like literal hell. I was like so suicidal so much of the time. It was so bad. Yeah, that sounds terrible. It was awful. That's okay. I survived. <laughs> yeah. I got sober. Uh, yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Is, is there, that's what I was going to ask you. Is Was there a catalyst um, to you deciding to quit drinking and get sober? Yeah, my drinking problem just got really awful, and uh, I was like uh, drinking and driving, and 
having some really horrible hangovers and um, starting feeling nauseous all the time and feeling like I couldn't like breathe properly, feeling like I couldn't like walk properly. Like, you know, it just got to be a point where like I needed to stop. I was like, okay, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. Like, yeah, yeah it just got really bad. I also quit smoking too. So I'm drug free now. So yeah. Well, congrats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, uh... I'm so happy for you. It's funny. I just got my alert yesterday, today. It's like, you joined Clubhouse a year ago. It's like, oh, son of a bitch. Yay, <laughs> <That's>... birthday. <laughs> yeah. Clubhouse um, birthday. That's funny to think about. The The last thing I kind of wanted to ask you about is how has your, or how have you as an artist, I guess, evolved over the last year, like getting sober? What? How has that affected your artwork? Have you been able to like, you know, get more in touch with, with what you're producing? Uh, yeah, like, uh, for sure. The art's gotten so much better. I decided that I was going to do like a series of like hand paintings that went really well. I took a lot more commission projects. I started like focusing on my art business only. So doing things like taking on commission projects, like, uh, doing more freelance work, you know, doing like dog portraits, things like this. Yeah releasing my own products and prints and things like that of my artwork, like uh, on my own website and on Instagram, uh, that kind of thing. Etsy too. I started my own Etsy, that kind of thing. Have building, you noticed building my client base? Have you noticed a difference in what you feel like compelled to paint or draw or anything like that since getting sober? Yeah. Like, uh, I would say so for sure. Like I, I know before, uh, I wasn't even able to like sit and draw like a straight line. Like, like I couldn't sit down in my studio without having like a alcoholic drink with me, like that kind of thing. So I would say uh, just like overall, it's gotten like a lot better uh, in terms of like subject matter. Like my subject matter is pretty diverse. Like I like, I like abstract painting. Where can people find your artwork? Yeah. So it's moonspademagic.com. So the word moon, like the word spade, like spade, like in cards and the word magic.com. Yeah. And it's fantastic. I like it, but, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm good. Is there anything I didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about, uh, that I missed? No, like, uh, it's my first time being on a podcast. <laughs> Welcome. So I also mentioned that like, um, you can see my work on my website. But, like, I also do post on, like, Instagram, like, my process and stuff like that. So uh, you can follow, like, moonspade underscore magic, too. Yeah, and I'll tag and, you on everything. Yeah, you can yeah. tag me. And I have my personal page or whatever. Yeah. Uh, did you have any more questions for me? You said no. Oh, so. I think I think we're, we're current and good. I am curious, um, when is your sober birthday? Oh, that will be uh, June 22nd of 2022, oh, and I will be in Zurich. I'm going to be super tan, uh, very sexy. I'll have, like, more brown hair than I have now. I'll be, like, tan. Sure. Glowing on this, like, beautiful Europe vacation, like. Your sober day is two days before mine, June 24th. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Claire, thanks for doing this and hopping on here. Yeah, my first podcast. Yeah, aren't you proud? I'm super proud. I love your green hair, and I love that painting oh, behind you. And yeah, 
Yeah, I got I got a lot like that. If uh, people people care about painting, just definitely check check me out. I'll be your favorite new favorite artist. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> awesome. Um, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if you can if you can stand me talking to you all the time, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, this will be out in like a few weeks, so I'll uh, cool. Yeah, I'll tag you and your page and all that jazz and cool yeah you'll be the hippest in the world um oh yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah when do you leave for europe uh we're going on oh my god I think june 11th so okay. it will be my partner's he's gonna be 31 okay yeah he he works for like a sales company and they're doing some like work meeting in germany Oh, nice. So we're gonna go see Bjork, uh, who's my my favorite artist. You know, oh, okay, yeah. In Germany, I'm so excited. And then we're going to Italy. It'll be my first time in Italy. And then, oh well, first Zurich, then Italy. You doing a family so tour? So it's in very Italy? exciting. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm gonna visit my family. Like uh, we're going to Venice, and I have a family that's like pretty close to there. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, like, because everyone is um, like I never met them before. Uh, I would like to meet them. The thing is, like, but I'm not too sure because my, like, with my parents and my family, like, they had mentioned to me that uh, they're they're kind of worried about this, like, COVID thing. And because of with, with me, I think, like, I don't know this for sure. Like, there's no way for me to know, but I think that they think I might be rude or something because... I was kind of like, well, I don't really get it. They survived the first wave. My my great aunt, who's 96, she survived the first wave of COVID. No one knew anything about COVID, and she survived. And I was like saying to my mom and my sister, I was like, why are they going to be afraid of me now at the end of the whole thing when it's like getting much more like mild and we have a lot of treatment for COVID. I know people still die of COVID, and I know it's yeah. like serious, but she literally already survived the shittiest one. Like, I don't, like, and then they were saying to me, like, you know, Claire, you got to be, you got to be polite to our relatives, and they have a right to be concerned. And I was like, okay, like, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, because I don't speak Italian, like, if I want to talk to them, I kind of have to go through my mom, because it's her side of the family. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and then, like, I have the dates, and, like, I kind of... Like, my boyfriend right now, he's, like, in Toronto picking up my passport and stuff like that because my dad keeps it with him because, you know, whatever. But uh, this is the thing, like, um, it's like a family relation logistics situation, and that's not really my strong area. (laughs) But I do want to meet them. Like, you know, I do. Like, it's not that I don't want to meet them. Like, I do. I didn't even think about the language barrier, though. Like, if they don't speak English and you don't speak Italian, like, you guys just going to sit there with Google Translate and be like, hi, Aunt blah, blah, blah. <laughs> she can talk back to you. Like, how's that going to work? Well, I can put in Translate what I want to say and then read it to her in yeah. Italian because I can, I can read in Italian. Oh, okay. Like, um, and let me see. I have cousins and stuff that are younger. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't really speak really great English, though. Um. I'm curious. But it would Let be me nice still to goes. see them, like, you know? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see, like, um, how, what ends up happening. Like, uh, what I could even do is, like, go to their, their, uh, their town, even, and just see, go to a restaurant, eat the local food, like, do like this in my town, like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
I don't have to necessarily go into their their um, home yeah. per se, but I, I can still find out their address and like go to their neighborhood, which sounds kind of creepy, but could still happen. Yeah, why not? Well, yeah. I hope you have a wonderful time. Congrats on ten months, one year around the Thanks. corner. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I will uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, Justin. Bye. Bye. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? All right, you just listened to my interview with Claire. You got <laughs> Claire. Answer the question, Claire. You know it's funny. I, uh, you know, I like pretty in pink and breakfast club and you know john hughes movies in general um but i did not get that reference when they did that in the movie go do you guys know what i'm talking about uh timothy oliphant and is talking to uh, uh katie holmes and he's like he does the whole uh breakfast club scene where they ask if claire's a virgin answered the question claire um anyway <laughs> just that's the name Claire just brings me back to either Breakfast Club or Go. Both great films. Highly encourage you to watch them if you haven't. That's not why we're here, though. Thank you so much to, to Claire for being on here. This is my, I think, second, maybe third Canadian guest, uh, which is really funny. You know, there's those little nuances and, and differences in words that we use and terminologies and... Uh, you catch those, you know, when you're listening and when you're having that conversation, uh, you really have to, I feel like there's, there's a base knowledge you have to have, um, to follow along some stuff, especially when we get into like nitty gritty of school stuff, but either way, uh, super happy to have her on. I'm glad we were Claire's first podcast and, you know, I think she, uh, opened up a little more once we got into talking. Um, and you know, it's always funny. I feel like People are a little nervous in the beginning sometimes, and then it's just a conversation. And that's what I always tell people. We're just having a conversation. So no worries there. This was really fun. I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I do. If you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash friendrequestpod, and you can go to wellbeingbrewing.com slash friendrequest and try out some of the Wellbeing Brewing non-alcoholic beers and CBD waters that we talked about probably in an ad in this episode, I would imagine. And a special thanks to Talia Dalton, who does the theme song for Friend Request. And I'm so excited about the summer series starting, oh my God, less than a month. <gasps> oh my God, I just got super pumped. I can't believe how, it's already May? What happened? All right. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. And reach out. I, I love hearing from you guys. Uh, whether it's a comment on a, on a feed, on a picture, or if you're emailing me directly, or you're one of the dozen Patreon uh, subscribers, which, you guys, it's a $1.09 a month. So if you can afford a cup of coffee a month uh, to help support the show, I would appreciate it. And, yeah, reach out. I love hearing from you guys. I love the feedback. I love my favorite thing in the world is hearing how someone else's story has helped you um, either overcome something you're going through or understand something maybe you or someone else is going through. I love those stories so much. Uh, and I'm so happy that I can provide that platform for you people to tell your stories. So thank you so much to everybody, listeners, guests, 
Um, my wife, <laughs> she, she's not a listener or a guest, but I think her too. Uh, all right. Thank you guys so much. I will talk to you next week. All right. I love you. Bye.